Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it very, very much. And that really is the perfect song uh, for our focus today. If you happen to have a Bible with you or have access to one, go to Genesis chapter 39. Would you? Genesis chapter 39. We'll uh, get there in just a moment. Listen, I know we've already said this, but it really does mean a lot. Uh, to, to our church family to be able to honor you uh, for your service to our community. And I alluded to this a moment ago, but I want to say it again. In addition to honoring you, um, we want to thank your families for the sacrifices they make. They're not small by any means. And we appreciate um, all of the uh, interrupted holidays and vacations and family gatherings because somebody needed them, they felt like more than you needed them, and they answered the call. And uh, we'll talk more about that here in, uh, in just a moment. Several weeks ago, I, I was on our fa- church Facebook page, and I asked our folks to... Share with me the first one or two descriptive words that came to their mind when they heard the phrase first responder. Some of those words were selfless, hero, protector, devoted, committed, caring. But the one word that was used over and over and over again was the word courage or courageous. And quite honestly, I'm not surprised, nor do I disagree. Courage is something that everybody wants. It's an attribute of good character that makes one worthy of Respect from the cowardly lion in the Wizard of Oz who finally drew enough courage to face the witch to David battling Goliath in the Bible. Stories abound of exemplary bravery and self-sacrifice for the greater good. Most of you know we just had the unfortunate opportunity to Observe the 19th anniversary of the Al-Qaeda attacks against our nation. And that gave me occasion to to go back and, and review some of the heroic and courageous acts of first responders. Stories of heroic people like Moira Smith the only female NYPD officer to die on 9-11. She was actually the first person to radio in about the attack when she saw that first plane hit. She was killed after repeatedly rushing into the South Tower of the World Trade Center to evacuate dozens of people before it collapsed. And by the way, lying next to her, was EMS professional Keith Fairbin. New York police officer John Perry was putting his retirement papers in at police headquarters when he heard the call for a fire at the World Trade Center. 
He raced to the scene to help people in need. And he never came out. Fred Marone, the chief of the Port Authority Police, could have easily stayed in his office in Jersey City. But he raced to the scene and started climbing the stairs to get people out. Witnesses said that that he would stop to reassure them that everything was okay, that everybody was going to be safe. And then he just kept climbing. Oreo Palmer was the battalion chief of the New York City Fire Department who was able to single-handedly fix an elevator in the the South Tower of the World Trade Center and take it up to the uh, 41st floor. From there, he scaled 37 flights of stairs to reach the plane's impact zone on the 78th floor. Unfortunately, his efforts were not enough to prevent the building from coming down. Battalion Chief Palmer perished. And the World Trade Center that day when it collapsed, along with 342 other members of the New York City Fire Department. And church, I want you to understand this this morning. These officers and deputies and firefighters and EMS professionals, they know all of those stories. And they know many, many stories just like them. Yet every single day, they courageously continue to do what they do, risking their lives to protect others. And then when you ask them or you, you say something to them, they'll downplay their contribution by saying things like, well, anyone would have done it. Or I didn't even think about it. Or I was just doing my duty. But the truth is, it's more than that. Doing something courageous is a choice. And it's not one that everyone in this room would make. When someone in front of you is in need and behind you is everything you love. I'm talking about your family, your friends, your life. Would you choose to go forward to help? Would you choose to put your life on the line. Whatever the call, these men and women answer because with them, courage runs deep. And to most of them, what they do is more than a job. It's about more than just getting a paycheck. It's even more than a career. For many of them, it's their calling. They are convinced that this is what God created them to do. And no matter how often the call comes, no matter how long and grueling the shift, no matter how severe the danger, they answer. To serve as a first responder requires an amount of courage that fortunately most people will never have to summon, and few could muster. Yet these men and women, for them, courage, it's a job requirement. And in my opinion, it is the perfect word to describe those who never fail to answer the call to help their community members in need. Professionals tell us there are six kinds of courage. 
There's moral courage, emotional courage, physical courage, social courage, intellectual courage, and spiritual courage. Now, I'm not going to explore all six of those this morning, but I have chosen three of those that that I want to address and, and challenge you with today, especially if you're a first responder. And the first area of courage that I want to challenge you in today is in the area of, of moral courage. It's the courage to look inward, and it deals with the importance of integrity. Integrity is having the courage to say no. It's having the courage to face the truth. A man or woman with integrity does the right thing because it's right even though nobody's going to know whether they did it or not. When I think of integrity, my mind automatically goes to a man in the Bible by the name of Joseph. To me, Joseph was the epitome of integrity. When presented with the opportunity to have a sexual relationship with his boss's wife, he refused. Here's the backstory: Joseph was a Jew living in Egypt. Actually, he was a slave there. Eventually, Joseph's work ethic rewarded him or was rewarded by a man named Potiphar who put him in charge of everything that was his. He was the the manager of Potiphar's estate, if you will. Let's pick up the story in Genesis chapter 39 and verse 4. And Joseph found grace in his side. In other words, Joseph found favor in the eyes of this man named Potiphar. And Joseph served him. And he, that would be Potiphar, made him, Joseph, overseer over his house. And all that he had, he put into his hand. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused. And said, how, can, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. And there was none, catch this, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she, that would be Potiphar's wife, caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. Now, as the rest of the story goes, Potiphar's wife lied about Joseph, accused him of trying to rape her, and Joseph ended up being thrown into prison. I think there are a number of things that we can learn about integrity from Joseph's story. The first thing we learn is this, integrity leads us to think beyond ourselves. Many failures of personal integrity begin with selfishness that doesn't think about or concern itself with the consequences for other people. Joseph thought of Potiphar and and what it would do to him to have his most dedicated servant and, and the leader of his household commit such an act of betrayal 
with his wife. Being men and women of integrity, regardless of the role you serve in in your agency, means avoiding selfishness and always thinking of the consequences of your behavior and how it will will affect other people. A person of integrity always will be concerned about what their actions will do to their family, what it will do to their shift mates, what it will do to their agency or to their profession at large. Secondly, a person with integrity demonstrates sound moral and ethical principles and does the right thing no matter who is or who is not watching. Think about this. It was just, listen, it was just Joseph and Potiphar's wife in the house. Nobody else was there. Who would have known? Well, in Joseph's heart and mind, he would have known. He would have had to try and live with what he did. Not to mention, as we read in our text, not to mention God knowing. Joseph's courage would not let him compromise his integrity. Which brings us to a third truth about integrity. Integrity will stand regardless of the consequences. Joseph ended up in prison. But at the end of the day, he took his integrity with him. The truth is, the day may come when your integrity costs you. It may cost you a friendship. It may cost you a promotion. It may even cost you your job. But so be it. As long as you still have your integrity intact, you have something that is of the utmost value and will serve you well in the long run. So have the courage to look within and be a man or woman of integrity who is accountable, who is responsible, who is truthful, and one whose actions are internally consistent. Secondly, I want to challenge you to not only have the courage to look inward, but to look outward as well. This is social courage, and it deals with the importance of of community. The social networks that we form and maintain are critically important for our emotional and physical well-being. It is undeniable that God has created us for social interaction. Thus, his words to Adam in in the beginning of it all, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. While the temptation is strong, listen, while the temptation is strong for a first responder to surround himself or herself socially with others who live uh, and work in their profession, and that's all, they, that's all the people they have in their life, and I know the temptation is great, but it's not always healthy. And believe me, I get why that happens. 
I'm not new to this game. I, I understand why it happens. I really do. But my contention this morning is this. It doesn't have to be that way. The argument is that no one outside the first responder world will let me be me. They're, they always want me to fix a ticket or, or they're always trying to dig for, for more information into an incident or they want to lodge some kind of complaint or unfortunately most of the time they're, they're just being jugheads. They've got some smart aleck remark about something and I get it, it gets old. It gets tiresome. It's like, can I just be me and nobody else will let me be me except my buddies. And, and I'm not denying any of that this morning. Please understand that. I'm not denying any of that this morning. And I know, I know that many of you have, have church homes and places where you worship on a regular basis. Let me just put in a plug here. Um, that was our pastor leading the music today. He's done that for, for 10, no, 14 years. Does a great job at it. But if you think he can sing, come listen to him preach. Um, you'll be blessed if I'm not trying to get you away from where you go. If you don't have a church home, if you're looking for a place to worship, listen, come back and, and listen to our pastor next week. You'll be glad you did. But under, understand this, at Fellowship Baptist Church since 2004, and my involvement in, in the first responder world and beginning to understand uh, the struggles of, of all of this community thing, I began as the pastor to intentionally try and create an environment in this church where you as a first responder don't have to put up with that junk. I mean, you can ask people here, I have interrupted conversations in the foyer. So we're not doing that here. This is not the place. And, and, and we're not perfect. I'm not going to stand here and try to tell you how we're perfect at it, but I think you can ask any of the first responders who call this home on Sunday, and they'll tell you we're pretty good at it. Solomon of old wrote in, in one of his Proverbs, he said, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And you don't have to be a particularly spiritual person to appreciate the wisdom in those words. In reality... Two blades cannot sharpen one another, at least not very well. The most effective way to sharpen an iron blade is to use a tool with a different edge or a different texture. And that is a very important point. The benefit, listen, the benefit of building relationships outside the first responder community is that they will provide the grit needed to become sharper. This means having friends who are different from you. If all of your friends are just like you, there's very little, if any, opportunity to be sharpened. Seeking the companionship and counsel of those who are living well and those who are excelling professionally and, and are of admirable character will greatly help you especially if they've chosen a different profession than you. I submit to you that emotionally healthy first responders 
Learn to make and maintain friendships away from the job. Not only for their benefit, but listen to me, and I've done a lot of counseling in in, in my years as a chaplain, and I want you to listen to me. That's not only for the benefit of the first responder, but it's for the benefit of your civilian friends and family. I can say a lot about that. I'll just leave it right there. It's not only for you. It's for your spouse, your significant other. It's for others in your family. They, they really wouldn't mind at times having somebody at the house that's not a cop or a firefighter or an MES person. So be courageous and actively pursue those who respectfully challenge you and will inevitably make you better. And then finally, I want to challenge you with one more thought this morning. Have the courage to look upward. The inward look is moral. It speaks of integrity. The outward look is is social. It speaks of community. But the upward look is spiritual. And it speaks to eternity. Hardly a week goes by that you as a first responder are not reminded that any day could be your last. And in reality, that's true for anybody, all of us here this morning. I mean, this day could be our last. Every one of us is just a heartbeat away from eternity. But I wonder how often that reality enters our minds. I think one of the greatest weaknesses of our culture is short-term thinking. Listen, there is so much more to be considered than just the here and now. But yet sometimes we act as though this life is all there is. And so we, we spend so much of our time and our energy and our effort trying to make this life the best life it can be when in all honesty, we're going to spend far more time on the other side of death in eternity than we will ever spend here on this earth. Even if we were to live to be 100 years old, that's nothing compared to eternity. Let me tell you something about eternity. It's a long time. (laughs) It's like forever. (laughs) And where you spend it matters to me. And because it matters to me, I'm going to take a few minutes. I'll not be long. I want to share some spiritual truths with you that I trust you will take to heart and think on. And if at some point you want to, you want to talk about these things more, I'm not hard to find. But I'd really like for you to think about these things about this upward look and and the reality of eternity. And the first one is this, man is lost. Have you ever been lost? Ladies, you can answer for your husbands because he's not going to admit it. (laughs) 
Listen, listen, my family, my family dogs me so bad because I, I can get lost in a Walmart parking lot. I, 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 I'm hopeless. It's bad. And it's no fun. Especially when the family's in the car. Let me just tell you, that little lady in your phone or on the dash, she can lie to you sometimes. Can I get a witness right there? Huh? Come on. Yeah. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Or a few other things. When you're lost, you know where you want to go. You just don't know how to get there. And I submit to you that any any right-thinking person wants to go to heaven. But there are so many who just aren't sure how to get there. They're lost. Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke that he came to seek them and to help them and to show them the way. As a matter of fact, later in the Gospel of John, he said this. He said, I am the way. And went on to finish that verse by saying this. No one can get to the Father except by him. And here's why man is lost. It's simple. It's because of sin. Paul says very clearly in Romans 3.23 that we have all sin. And he goes on to say a few chapters later, that the end result of our sin will be death or eternal separation from God if we stay lost. But there's hope because God is love. Just about all of us have at least heard for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Yes, the Bible does say in Romans 6, 23, that we are deserving, including myself, we are deserving of eternal separation from God because of our sin. But it also says that God is willing to give us life. Here it is exactly, for the wages of sin is death. But look at this, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because God loves us, he offered his son as a sacrifice for our sin. And listen, because Jesus died for our sin, we don't have to. Instead of eternal death, we can have eternal life. Instead of being separated from God, we can live with him. That's the gift that we are offered. And that's the opportunity we are afforded as a result of God's love for us. And all God asks is for us to receive Jesus Christ into our life as our Lord and Savior. To quote the Apostle Paul again, I'm almost done. He said this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart Man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then I love this. He said, for whosoever. That's a great word. Because that includes all of us. 
for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen this morning, the assurance of an eternity in heaven with God is literally just a prayer away. So let me close with a very personal question that I want each of you to answer in your heart. Whether you're a first responder here this morning or not, I want you to answer this question deep in your heart right now. And the question is this, if you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? If you're not sure, but you want to be sure, seek me out after the service. Some other time, whatever fits you. And I'd be more than happy to sit down and and talk with you, answer any questions that, that you may have. And I'd love to help you do the most courageous thing that you'll ever do in all of your life. And that's to give your life to Jesus Christ. Or if you'd like to make that decision today, at this church, we're a little old-fashioned this way, we always give an opportunity to respond publicly to the preached Word of God. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and pray with me. I'm going to pray in just a moment. This is our time. We, the term, I guess, we call it our invitation time.